Open up the book of Ecclesiastes, if you will. Find chapter number six in the book of Ecclesiastes. Say, is that in the Bible? Yes. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes in chapter number six. First three verses are the verses we want to look at tonight. Notice what the Solomon's writing. Notice what he says. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. So whatever he's about to tell us, evidently, number one, it's not good. And number two, common. It affects a lot of people. Here's what he says. A man to whom God hath given, who gave it? God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. Now that hadn't been common to me, <laughs> but other, and I understand. This man, God's given him everything. Yet, God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity, this is an evil disease. Look at the next verse. Goes along, same thought. If a man beget a hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many and his soul be not filled with good and also that he have no burial. I say that an untimely birth is better than he. Wow. That is a... Strange, it's a warning. There's just a lot in these verses. Let's make sense of it hopefully together, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thankful for the opportunity to look in your word. Would you open our hearts to what you have for us? And may we uh, heed warnings given by a man with great wisdom. Thank you for our opportunity to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, may be seated. I've entitled our message, Got Stuff? Yeah. It's the best I could come up with. Got Stuff? So ask any kid in the room, any kid, anybody under 40, any kid, <laughs> what his favorite day of the year is. He'll probably give you one of two answers. My birthday? Or Christmas Day. Now, in case you're wondering why would a kid answer that, is it because they just enjoy the thought of aging another year? Or perhaps Christmas brings to mind the thoughts of Jesus, and they look forward to being able to worship to a greater degree in December. Or they anticipate what all of us anticipate still, stuff. Presents. And who doesn't like stuff? Gifts. Brightly wrapped packages and 
stockings hanging that are full of everything we could possibly need or not need. And to be honest, I'm for it. <laughs> I'm for it. And anytime you want to give me a present, my upcoming birthday, November 18th, <laughs> or Christmas, or New Year's, or Valentine's, or Groundhog Day, or any day that you get the urge, that's fine. I, I have to confess, I like stuff as much as the next person. But we're warned here, believers in particular, are we not as susceptible as anyone to being what we use the term materialistic or just to put it simply, loving stuff? Are believers, are we not susceptible to that? And the Bible has much to say about this uh, desire to hold on to uh, things that are temporary and how holding on to the temporary can distract us from what is truly important. Jesus tells a parable about this man who was all caught up in the stuff that he had, remember, and, and he was going to build bigger barns to hold all his stuff. And it was as if he forgot. My life could be very, very short. And living your life for now and for stuff and for the things that we can, all of us can accumulate uh, if we're not careful can get us to focus on stuff. All of our time and all of our energy and all of our love and we will forget that this present time, this is going to pass quickly. It's going to be over. And Solomon said a lot about it. In fact, if you read Ecclesiastes, you will find that the entire book is about this idea, living your life for now and for the pleasures of this life now will not bring satisfaction. And if anybody should know that, it would be him. He had stuff. <laughs> he had stuff to a degree uh, that you and I cannot begin to imagine. But what he learned about holding tight to his stuff is something that you and I need to learn. Some good lessons, some good warnings. I'm just going to pull out these three really simple points out of these three verses about this this idea that he's giving us about the things, the good gifts of God, just these three easy things. And I hope that this will really make sense and help us understand what he's trying to tell us. Number one, note this, all good gifts come from God. Now, let me, let me read you some uh, proof of that. Ecclesiastes chapter number five, every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof, to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Ecclesiastes three, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. In James chapter one, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights. Can you just 
get this concept as we start off. Everything that you and I have, that we would put the label of good on it, even the stuff that you own, the stuff that you have, comes from the grace and the goodness of our Heavenly Father. Every, every good gift, he says, comes down from above. Well, what does that include? Well, that must include your wealth or what you, wealth you have. And it, you know we get backwards so much when it comes to our wealth. We, we judge the absence or presence of God's blessing based on the absence or presence of a bank account. Man, we're bad about that. That's a false idea. Now, God does and has and does choose to bless people with wealth as he sees fit. And you know what the Apostle Paul said about that. He said, there's been times where I abounded and times where I've been in need. And then he finally says, but whatever state I find myself, either abounding or in need, I'm satisfied there. And we live in a time that's and it's been this way for many years where those who those loudest voices on television who represent Christianity. They try to equate the blessing of God with wealth. And if you'll listen closely, you'll get the idea that Santa Claus and God are just about the same thing. And if you will serve God or worship God or love God, he'll make all your dreams come true. I don't think that's the God of the Bible. 2006, the Times, the magazine put out a poll. They found this, that 17% of American Christians identify with the prosperity gospel movement. Now, if, you don't, if that's a term you've never heard, that's basically that idea that God promises wealth to all of the believers who will love him or follow him or send them money, one of the two. 31% of believers, American believers, espouse the idea that if you give God your money, God will bless you with more money. 61% of American believers agree with this idea. God wants people to be prosperous. So in other words, Joel Osteen has and his philosophy and it's older than him, but certainly he's been the biggest spokesman lately has infiltrated American Christianity. Can I quote him? I'm going to. Here's what he said. God wants us to prosper financially, to have plenty of money, to fulfill the destiny he has laid out for us. And now for years, men have used their position of pastors of these mega churches to live these lavish, exorbitant lifestyles full of mansions and yachts and personal jets, all in the name of God and his blessing. But it is true that stuff does come from God. God in his goodness has seen fit to give you not just what you need, but more than you need. Well, Brother Ted, I don't have more than I need. All right, I want to see how many shoes you got. I don't want you to see how many shoes I got. 
It's, it's a lot. God is blessed. In his goodness, he gives us what we need and beyond. And, and many of our Old Testament characters, I know that you're aware, and Solomon is the greatest example of that, uh, that had more than he needed, was given wealth beyond our imagination. But the problem is not. The problem is not, or has it ever been, how much wealth you have. That's not, or has not been the problem. The problem has always been, and still is, how much of your wealth has you? So wealth is something, it's, it's stuff, it comes from God. And he mentions it specifically in verse number two, that this is a gift of God. There's something else he mentions specifically in verse number two, honor. You can imagine in the culture of these Old Testament, honor would have been very important to have respect and the love and the admiration of family and friends. And all of us want that kind of honor. We all want to be loved and respected. According to Strong's, if you look up the word honor, Strong gives it this definition, weight. Can you picture this? The words of a person with honor carry weight. People listen. They listen to a person of honor because his words are wise or respectable and he's discerning in his words and he never speaks harshly of others or uses his word to cut or humiliate others. And, and the words of a, a honorable person would fit into that proverb that says it, his words are like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. His words carry weight. The life of a person with honor, we would say, can carry weight because he watches his life and he watches how he conducts himself and he watches how he treats others and even the most lowly. And those that know him best uh, would say that he, his life is honorable and those who only know him by reputation would have the same opinion. He's an honorable man and the presence of an honorable man means something because he has influence and he doesn't throw his weight around or his influence around for his own self selfish purposes, but he's earned the respect of others that follow him. That would be very important in those days. And it should be important to us as believers that we would be honorable. That comes from God, he says in verse number two, God gives it. And notice he mentions uh, in verse number three, uh, this is for me a little much, a hundred children. A hundred but family. Family is a gift of God. In the Bible, a large family was kind of an indication of God's blessing. And children weren't considered an inconvenience. As we see many times in our day. Just listen to, I mean, we just got through Roe v. Wade. You know, we prayed for how many years that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. What a great day. That was. But if you listen to maybe some debates and people talk on television about about abortion and about that right that that uh, has now been changed, hopefully there'll be many, many. I uh, hopefully there'll be no more abortions. That would be our prayer, wouldn't it? But you would get the idea that having a child is a curse rather than a blessing. Since when did it become a burden to have to raise children? Well, they cost money. I know. They disturb your sleep. I know. 
They fra make you frazzled. Yeah, I've seen my wife frazzled. <laughs> they interrupt your plans for the future. True. Hey, they can, ha they can cause heartache. That's all true. But when you, those thoughts that I just gave you, those are all fairly recent thoughts about children. Because the ability of humans to procreate was always considered a great miracle and a gift from God. And the, that baby that comes as a result of a loving, committed relationship between a husband and wife is a sacred gift. And only heaven can give us that gift. So he mentions that in there. If, you had a, if a man had a hundred children... He also mentions there that he would live many years, longevity, that a man, a long life is a gift from God, that a man's life is long. He says that's a gift from God. It's always been considered a gift if a man would live a long time. And those who understand that he is the giver of life, he also is the taker of life. Have you ever wondered why, and this is my opinion, why heaven is, is not mentioned so much in the Bible? Why we don't really know the details about heaven. We know far more about hell than we do heaven. It's, it's vague. It's mysterious. Jesus doesn't say much about it. We don't really hear a lot about it. We don't know what's going to go on in heaven or what heaven is like. Maybe the reason is that because God doesn't want us to be too anxious to get there. In fact, he's placed in you. He's placed in all of us. This desire to live as long as possible, hasn't he? That's a gift from God. That gift, that desire for self-preservation, for life, for someone to t take their own life, that strong desire that we all have has to, somehow that impulse has to be overcome. You live a long time, just think of what you get to see. You get to see your children grow and have their own children. I mean, that right in of itself is worth it all. Grandbabies. Living a long life gives you time to serve him and know him. Living a long time gives you opportunity to build close relationships with your spouse, your family, and your friends. It, it's like the writer saying, this is a great gift. It comes from God. When someone dies young, what do we say? Say, that's a tragedy. They died young, which for me is at my point, my point at this point in my life, anybody a day younger than me, that's a tragedy if they die. It's a great gift. Wealth, honor, family, life, long life. These things, he says, are God's gifts to us. And someone may ask this question, because I certainly have, whether, it, it, does God give these same things? Does God give these same gifts of, of wealth and honor and, and family and children and, and long life? Does God give those same wonderful gifts to those who do not acknowledge him? Or those who live contrary to him? Or even to those who are antagonistic to him? Does God still bestow on him his good gifts? Matthew chapter 5. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the, his Son to rise on the evil 
and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Think of this. God gives his grace. He gives his gifts even to those who don't love him. His gifts are universal. He gives life to all. He gives the beauty of creation for all to enjoy. He gives the ability to work and to, to own a living and uh, to have, make a living. And while there are those who are outside of Christ who may not acknowledge God and, and God's ownership on their life, they may not even acknowledge God's existence. Everything that they have comes from him, whether they acknowledge it or not. They still are the beneficiaries of God's gifts. That's the first thing that I think makes sense and, and, and leads to these next two things. It, all you have, whether it be stuff or relationships, your life, your honor, everything that we have is a good gift that comes from God. Number two, God would intend that man would enjoy the good gifts he gives. It's James that said, every good gift comes from God. Think of just that phrase. Every good gift comes down from God. Well, why would he give good things to us? What would God's purpose be to give us good things? As Solomon wrote, what would God's purpose be to give man wealth or to give man uh, honor, to give man family, to give man a long life? What would God's purpose be to give, to give gifts to us? Well, first thing is gifts point to a giver, don't they? Do you have something in your possession, maybe something at home, and you call it sentimental value? Because every time you look at it or hold it, it reminds you of the one who owned it before you and gave it to you. I mean, I, I'm wearing the wedding ring I wear. My dad wore and until literally the day he died, he was wearing this ring. Every time I look at it, you know who I think about? My dad. My, this gift that I have reminds me of the giver. Reminds me of my dad. It points me to another, doesn't it? God gives us gifts that point to him. If you go out early enough, you'll see the sun come up. I try not to, but sometimes. A beautiful sunrise. Beautiful sunset, beautiful scenery. What are those good gifts for? To point to him. God gives us relationships and he gives us laughter and love and friends and family. Or is all that just to enjoy? Well, it's to point to the giver. And even the stuff that you accumulate, even the things that you own, just the stuff that you have in your bank account, just the things that you've accumulated through the years that you would just call your wealth, your stuff, should even that remind us that without him, I wouldn't have anything. The gifts point to the giver. And also this, it just seems to make sense. Doesn't God then just mean us to enjoy gifts the way all of us enjoy gifts? If you give your kid a bicycle, it's a gift, maybe on his birthday or Christmas or whatever. You give him a brand new bike. You know what? You're going to be a little disappointed if he doesn't say, can I go out and ride it? 
Immediately he wants to go out and see if he can write it. You'd be disappointed if he didn't. You thoughtful men that gave your wife on her last birthday a, a brand new vacuum, you'd be disappointed. She just didn't run over and plug it in, see if it worked. Right? Think about this. All around us are his gifts. Everything from nature to your family, to your home, the stuff you have. Enjoy those gifts. When you give your child a gift, really you only expect two things. You would expect that he would be thankful. And number two, you would expect that he would enjoy it. So enjoy. Enjoy the plenty that you have, as he puts it. Plenty, a man has plenty in want of nothing. God has certainly given some people a lot more than they need. And hopefully you would enjoy that plenty and be generous. The Bible says a lot about those who aren't generous with what they've been, guilt, been given. Those who are stingy. But those who are generous with the excess that they have, with the gifts they've been given, God is uh, pleased. Proverbs chapter 19. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given him, he will pay him again. And sometimes we're guilty of misquoting a very famous scripture that says this. The love of money is the root of all evil. Sometimes we just say money's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. And the Bible's full of men who had great wealth, lots of stuff, but they served God and had great faith in God. Enjoy that you have plenty. You say, well, I don't have plenty. Well, it's kind of relative, isn't it? How many have ever been to Africa? Take a trip. You'll never say you don't have plenty. How about your marriage and family? Solomon said this, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. It kind of sounds like he would intend that you would enjoy being married. Children are inheritance of the Lord. And the fruit of the loom is his, of the fruit of the loom. I think it's the fruit of the womb. Take that off the... Good thing we're not on the internet or anything. <laughs> Maybe we are. Fruit of the womb. And I have it spelled properly. That's bad. What was I at? Oh yeah, marriage, family. Enjoy your marriage. Enjoy the fruit of the womb. According to the Bible, it's his reward. Children's children, grandchildren, he says, are the crown of old men. So I'm just telling you, if you're not enjoying your marriage and if your family's a burden, you're not enjoying your children, your grandchildren, I have a feeling you're missing out on something of God's great blessing to you. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Anything that a person would label good is a gift from God and just... Makes sense that he would want you to enjoy it and appreciate the gifts that he'd given. Taking a vow of poverty won't bring you closer to God. And denying any human enjoyment or pleasure doesn't make you more holy. The gifts of God are given for our use and enjoyment. What about that plenty? What about those gifts? What are some good ways to enjoy them? Well, first of all, for sure, remember 
Remember the giver. Don't be like those who enjoy all the gifts that God's given and ignore the giver. Share your gifts. It's better to give than receive. Have you ever noticed that those who are the happiest are those who are the givers and not the hoarders? And then maybe this is important. Be satisfied. Be satisfied with whatever it is God has given you. And if, and if you say, well, I don't have as much as so-and-so and the other person over there, God's blessed them more than he's blessed me. I don't have near as much stuff as they have. You know, if you're not going to be happy with what you have, you're going to be jealous. You'll never be satisfied. Just be satisfied. So good gifts come from God. God intends us to enjoy his good gifts. Then this last point. Don't hold on too tight. Don't hold on too tight. Look at those warnings that Solomon gave us. He said, for instance, man could lose power to enjoy his gifts. He said this, that a man's wealth wouldn't necessarily be inherited by his children, but by a stranger. He said that it's possible that a man would have his soul not filled with good. After having all this stuff, he said it's possible to have no honor at death. No burial, he put it that way, which would be very dishonoring in those days. He even said, ended it up in verse number three uh, by saying this, an untimely birth is better than that. In other words, a, a child that's born not living. Better than that. What would make it better that a man not even be born? So think of this. When a man doesn't acknowledge where his stuff comes from, be it his wealth or his honor or his family, his longevity, when a man lives his life for just that, without acknowledging his heavenly father who's the giver of all good gifts, what happens is he's going to hold on tight to his stuff, everything that's his and under his power. He's going to hold on tight because all his love and attention and energy and time and focus is on his stuff. And when Jesus gave us that parable that I mentioned at the beginning, he gave us that parable to the man that had certainly been blessed with stuff for sure, but living his life as if, well, that's what's important. This stuff is what is important. And I'm going to build bigger barns because I've got so much stuff that I've been blessed with and that I have. And I'm going to take it easy then. I'm going to live on the fruits of all this labor and I'm going to be merry. And he ended up by telling us being rich toward God is infinitely more important than earthly riches, because being rich toward God lasts forever. Earthly riches fade. A man who knows where his gifts come will acknowledge his gifts and enjoy his gifts, but not hold on too tight. Because you get the idea in these verses, don't you, that God can see to it. That all that stuff goes away. It's as if this imaginary man that Solomon is envisioning in this passage 
he's imagining this man who lives his life holding tightly onto his stuff with no regard to thankfulness toward God and who provided his stuff. And he's in trying to enjoy his stuff, but his attitude is selfish and he's never satisfied. He's always pursuing more stuff to bring him the pleasure that's always just out of reach. And, and God, as Solomon is warning, is saying, God can, can take all that stuff that you've tried to accumulate. He can make sure it, none of it happens anymore. And you lose all your stuff and you lose all your honor. And you, you don't even leave an inheritance for your children. To, it's almost better that you not be born. And then where is all your joy going to come from? I'm thinking, right. God should take away stuff from those who don't regard him. They don't deserve God's stuff. They don't deserve God's sunshine and God's rain. Those who don't know God or have any time for God or who deny the very existence of God, they don't deserve his good gifts. Thank you, God, for taking all their stuff. What about me? God gives me gifts to enjoy Another reason to praise him. Not so I'll be distracted from what's truly important. And let's not fool ourselves. We can be. God gives us our family. But let's not forget. We're to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. God gives us years on this earth however they may be, however long they may be. They're a gift from him. And it, if you think about it, it's a gift that can be wasted. It can be wasted because I'd be living it for some purpose other than serving him. And if you read the Bible very long, you know, evidently there are times when you could be doing everything right and st God would still see fit to take away some of the gifts he gave. And all of us are immediately are thinking of our friend Job. And as the Bible describes him. Doing everything right. Not guilty of anything. Loving God, serving God, enjoying all these gifts that God gave him. Great wealth, a great family, a man of honor. God had just bestowed great gifts upon Job. And he was acknowledging God. And he lost almost everything, didn't he? But his response, his response when he lost it. His response when all of his wealth was gone and even when he lost his children and the respect of his wife and even when his good friends kind of turned on him. His response when he lost that shows us his attitude was I'm not hanging on to all this stuff real tight. It really is God's. Listen to his words. His wife said unto him. Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. 
Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? And all this did Job not sin with his lips. He was just showing us right there our attitude should be towards the stuff that God gives us. The good gifts that he allows us to have. Don't hold on so tight that if you lose it all, you're just going to fall to pieces. Don't hold on so tight to your stuff that for some reason God sees fit, that tomorrow it's gone, that you're just going to lose everything, your faith and everything else. Listen, it's God, Job said, that gave me this good stuff. Shall I just take the good and not the bad? Enjoy the gifts that God gives, as Solomon is trying to tell us. But don't hold on too tight. Acknowledge the giver of the good gifts that you have. But don't hold on too tight. Because ultimately everything we have comes from him. And it also belongs to him. And he loans us our stuff, doesn't he? He loans it to us. He loans our bank account. He loans us our house. And he loans us our stuff that we own. He even loans us our family. And he loans us this time that we have on earth. And Solomon, who wrote about the vanity of chasing after stuff and chasing after pleasure and chasing after knowledge and chasing after everything that you could possibly imagine trying to chase after in order to get satisfaction and joy, Solomon did so. And at the end of it, his words sum it all up for us. In chapter 12 of this book, he said this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter of your stuff, your good gifts that God's given you. Let's, just, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And we're... We're getting that warning and that message from a guy who knew what he was talking about. Because those good gifts come from God. He intends that you would enjoy his good gifts. At the same time, we should acknowledge where the gifts come. They come from above. Enjoy them. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the stuff that he allows you to have. But there's something more important than all that stuff. Fear God. Keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Don't hold on too tight. Don't hold on too tight. The stories that here in our country back before the Great Depression, stock market crashed, men who were enormously wealthy one day, woke up the next day and didn't have a sin. And the stories, if they're true, are that many a man jumped out of his office window to his death, just couldn't face the fact that he was broke. He was holding on too tight to stuff here, stuff now, stuff that we should enjoy that's a gift from God, but we can lose, it can go away. For some reason, God can see fit, we don't have it anymore. Don't hold on too tight. Well, let's bow. We'll pray.
Heavenly Father, I'm thankful. Warning Solomon gives all of us believers to be thankful for all the good gifts you give us. Everything we have comes from you. Everything. There's nothing that we have that's not given by you. Anything that we would say in our life that is good, it's because of you and your grace. And even those who don't know you get those benefits, those same benefits, those same good gifts, but that we would acknowledge, be thankful how important that is. That we don't enjoy the things that you've given. I think they're meant to be enjoyed. That's why you give us good gifts. But let us not hold too tight. Help us to have the right attitude about things and about the things that we have and the th gifts that you've given us. Solomon, who went through from A to Z, his words, fear God, keep his commandments. That's our duty. So I don't know how this message may have spoken to some hearts, but I pray there'll be folks who would respond if you're speaking to them tonight. And whether they're in their pew or here at the altar, however you've spoken, I pray in a time of invitation you'd have your way. In Jesus' name.